I feel like that video we just watched is sermon enough. It was so great. I'm so thankful for that. Well, I want to share with you uh, a few things about being better together. When I was in university during my second year, I was able to get a job as a professor's assistant for the special education department. A friend of mine had graduated who had the job previously, and he recommended me for the role, and I got the job. Grading papers and proctoring exams, doing research was really up my alley. As I started the job, the professor that I worked for and I didn't really talk very much. He would say things that I needed to get accomplished and get your job done. Early on in the position, I felt like I was kind of punching a clock for the education department, which was okay, I guess. It beat the maintenance job I'd had the year before. But it was uh, suddenly different when the professor decided to get to know me as a person and not just as an assistant. So one day, the uh, prof, Dr. Hooksema, asked if I had brought a lunch with me. I said I was planning on grabbing something from the cafeteria and eating in the lounge downstairs before coming back to the office to get my work done for the day. He asked if he could join me and even offered to cover the cost of the meal. While I was a poor student, that was very welcomed. So we headed downstairs together and we were initially talking about the project that I had been researching for him, but we ordered some food and we went to find somewhere to eat and that's when everything changed. See, he asked me about my family and where I lived in Canada. I was from Michigan at the time, in, in school in Michigan, I should explain that. Uh, when he learned that I have a sister who has Down syndrome, he became very interested in my life. Uh, not from the perspective of a, a professor of special education, but someone who was genuinely interested in what it was like for me to have an older sister with special needs. Especially when I shared with him that it started to feel more and more like I was becoming her big brother as opposed to her younger brother of eight years. He also shared about his family and what it was like for him to uh, be a dad of both biological and adopted children. I remember it was an amazing conversation and it ended up changing the dynamic of our working relationship. So I worked for him the rest of my undergraduate degree, and we ended up eating lunch together fairly often in order to just put work aside so that we could become friends as well. Eating together allowed us to build a friendship, and that impacted everything we did in our work, too. See, eating together helps us be better together. This month, we're focusing on how we're better together and how life-changing relationships can be made possible by being intentional in the friendships that God gives us. Last week, Jeff Martins got the series started by helping us see that it's not good for people to be alone. And in today's day and age, we are suffering from loneliness perhaps like never before. Jeff shared about the Rosetto effect where we heard about the town of Rosetto, Pennsylvania, which uh, was studied because of how much less sickness and suicides, loneliness and crime that that town experienced compared to national averages and even neighboring towns. And it was all because of the care and connection that took place between its citizens. 
We were challenged to see this month as an invitation to live more like Jesus in our interactions and our relationships and to work on being better together this year. Now, when we talk about eating together as part of this series, I want to be clear that we mean more than just ingesting food in the same sort of vicinity as someone else. As with my story with my former boss and I eating together, there was more that happened during our mealtimes than just getting some food into our systems around lunchtime. For example, later that year, I became diagnosed with depression. And it was our friendship that allowed me to have someone to trust so that I could receive help, advice, and care. And it happened because there was a trusting friendship that had grown. See, food seems to have an equalizing effect on people, and it allows for guards to be let down as conversations can open up. Eating together is an important part of a ministry like the Alpha Program, which is a faith 101 kind of study that helps people explore the fundamentals of who God is and what it means that Jesus came to live on this earth. Alpha begins with a meal where everyone connected comes together, course leaders, helpers, cooks, servers, and participants all start with a meal. Conversations and friendships get to form over some delicious food each week before any videos are shown or any conversations take place. Eating together for something like Alpha is an essential part of the impact that that ministry can have because it allows for space to be created to allow trust to be built and then friendships begin. It allows for us to tell our stories in relationship to God's story. Here at Southridge Welland as well, we have the Harvest Kitchen meals that take place every Friday evening. And again, we have volunteers who are set up to actually just sit at tables with people to have conversations and friendships so that they can form week in and week out. The impact of providing food for each other is essential for our friends who come to get a meal, but the impact of being in a trusting and safe space allows for us to make a significant difference in people's lives. We were recently able to see uh, how this had an impact on Ken Wilms, and if you haven't seen those videos, be sure to check them out because it tells of how he was able to be Jesus to people who in turn were able to be Jesus back for him. If you haven't seen them, check our website, they're on there. Another ministry we have is the Collective Kitchen Program, which allows for people to cook a lot of meals, and they spend time together eating a meal together. And that's the wonderful part of it. Before people head home, more and more friendships are being formed around our church. So why do we care so much about eating together here at Southridge? We know that connecting over meals was something that meant a lot to Jesus. And the evidence of this comes from the accounts of his life recorded in the Bible. Pastor and author David Camera says, In the New Testament, we regularly find Jesus reclining at a table during his earthly ministry, engaging with real people, furthering his kingdom work, fostering true community, demonstrating reconciliation with God, and building genuine friendship among his disciples. Much of Jesus' life and ministry is recorded around meals. Jesus is often found coming from a meal or heading to one. 
Matthew 11, verse 19 says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking. In the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, we see at least 16 times that tell of Jesus' social eating habits. Author and pastor Tim Chester says, In Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. Jesus uses meal times as chances to share his love and his desire for the world. So he builds his disciples, friends, and followers through these relationships, and he changes lives by being himself, someone who gets to be in relationship as he also brings salvation to the world. Mark 2, verses 15 and 17 tell of one such meal. It says, And as he, Jesus, reclined at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is clear here that he came to connect with people in order to reveal himself as Lord and as God. He came to be a savior to the lost. When we get sick, we go to the doctor, not when we're well. And likewise, Jesus tells us directly that he came to connect with people who need him the most, those who don't know him, because the righteous already know him as Savior. And life change happens when we connect with Jesus. And Jesus loved connecting over food. One story of life change that we read about in the book of Luke tells of the story of Zacchaeus, a rich tax collector, who had heard about Jesus And Jesus was coming through his town that day. In Luke 19, verses 1 to 10, we can read this story. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that day. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people that saw this began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In the verses just before this story, Jesus shares that it's really hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But in the story of Zacchaeus, we know that it's not impossible. He was a rich tax collector, and we learned that he was a chief leader, which meant that he would have been promoted because of his work. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were known as crooks. 
people who lined their pockets in order to have money for themselves as they worked for the Roman government. So hearing how successful Zacchaeus was would tell us why people were so upset of him spending time with Jesus. But just as we heard in the passage uh, from Mark, Jesus was known as someone who ate with tax collectors, and he was known for changing lives. Jesus' reputation would have been intriguing for someone like Zacchaeus to know who is this man that everyone's talking about. So because the crowds were big in Jericho and Zacchaeus was short, he ran ahead to climb a tree to be able to see Jesus as he passed by. Then as Jesus approaches that tree, he looks up and addresses Zacchaeus by name. And he tells him to come down from the tree because Zacchaeus needs to host him for supper. Again, we hear about people grumbling about who Jesus associates with, but the impact that Jesus has on Zacchaeus is huge. We don't actually get to hear what Jesus says to him. We don't actually get to learn about the dinner that takes place at Zacchaeus' house, but we do know that Zacchaeus was changed. He wants to be different. He wants to give to the poor. He wants to repay anyone he's cheated. He wants to have a different life because of Jesus. And we learn that salvation comes to Zacchaeus and his home that day. Life change happens when these unlikely friends share a meal. I love that the encounter with Jesus leads Zacchaeus to wanting to be more like Jesus in his life. And this is what we as a church are talking about when we say that eating together helps us be better together. Yes, the food is important. But the chance to share a meal, to share a conversation, to share our lives, and hopefully eventually to share our faith, helps us change people's lives for the better. And it changes our lives too. For many of us, the idea of evangelizing seems incredibly daunting and scary. I think we often equate evangelism with someone setting up their little boat soapbox on the busy street corner as they pull out their megaphone and they start reading Bible verses and shouting, oh, you need Jesus. And that's true, we do need Jesus, but this is so not the way to evangelize. I think the best way that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ is by sharing our lives. Share a meal, share a story. Share the impact of what it has meant to you to receive love. Share a struggle. Share Jesus by acting like him and being like him to people who need him the most. All of us. Jesus tells us that he came not to save the people who are already his, but he came to save the lost and the broken, the hurting, the marginalized, the hungry, those who need to be saved. If you know and love Jesus, don't keep him a secret. Take your love for him into the relationships that God gives you so that we can all be better together. So who are the people in your life that need to know Jesus? For me personally, the biggest excuse that I come up with for not sharing Jesus is the excuse of busyness. Because we're living busy lives, too often we don't open our home. Or maybe worse, we do open the home and we don't go deep because it's easier to keep things at a surface level. Too often, busyness all day long leads to being wiped out at night 
where things like Netflix become too easy to make that our space and crashing before the night uh, ends and starting all over the next day. Or our home renovations, which I have been working on for way too long, become the excuse that our home is not ready yet to have people over. It's too much of a mess. I'm preaching to myself when I say that people should be more important than the environment in which to serve them in. Because of these excuses, we can miss out on the magic of mealtimes, which allow us to share our lives, our stories, our care, our love, and to share Jesus living in and through us. I'm trying to get the renovations done so we can do this more, but we just have to be open to what God is calling and the examples that he puts in our lives, the chances to make a difference. So we're looking to be more intentional. We want to do this better with our marriage, with our home, our family, and we want to do it better with our life group. Our life group has eight couples in it, and we've just finished a two-month-long study on marriage, and now we're going to move into a rhythm of eat, pray, love, and then we'll take a week off. So week one, we're going to do something social together, share a meal or even just a snack in order to create the space where relationships can grow. We'll spend the next week focused on praying together, We're going to dive into life and what it means to be a follower of Christ as we study. And of course, we'll pray together too by growing closer together and closer to Jesus. And we'll spend the third week loving together by being Jesus in the world and for each other. We want to make a difference in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to try to do that as a life group, however we can. We've already had the chance to serve together at the Harvest Kitchen a couple of months ago, and this past Friday, our group was there again. So we're hoping that with a rhythm of being together, three out of four weeks a month, will focus us on eating together, praying together, and loving together so that we can be better together. And we want to live out the great commission that Jesus gave us in order to impact the world in his name. In Matthew 28, we read about this great commission that Jesus gives to his followers. In verses 17b to 20, Jesus tells us, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And here Jesus commands us, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then Jesus wraps up this great commission by assuring us when he says, surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. We never have to do any of this alone. Jesus is always with us, and he promises that. So I want to invite you to have an impact too by eating together more. Already this morning, we've had a chance to do communion together. And we do this as a church to reflect back on the Last Supper of Jesus where he and his disciples look to his upcoming death and what impact that will have. And he tells them to do this often, remember him. And we're also going to eat a meal together after the service. We're intentionally working to close things up a little early so that we can spend some time together as a church. So stick around. We want to invite you to be a part of that. Don't rush off. Share in a meal together as you have a chance to meet some new people. Share a story. Listen to each other. Be better together. And I also want to give you some practical ways to invite you to become more connected in this church so that we can all be better together here at Southridge. 
One of the ways is through something we call Start the Party. A couple of years ago, I preached a message here, uh, and we did for the other locations with their location pastors, on how Jesus loves to party. And uh, we as a church threw these potluck parties together where people could go to someone's house on a specific Sunday between the hours of about 4 to 7 and just have this potluck and be together, share a meal, have some fun. Well, we're going to do another party. On Sunday, January 26th, we're going to be together in people's homes. We have some hosts already signed up and we could use more of them. And so we just invite you to be a part of that. There's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center So between four and seven, you'll have a chance to have a party together and to eat together and be together. It'll be great. Some of you might want to be a part of Alpha. You would be amazed at how quickly eating together, praying together, and loving together happens at a program like that. We're having a a chance to do that starting at the end of the month, and we have a sign-up again at the Welcome Center. It's going to be very busy there, Darlene. Uh, We have a Welcome Center sign-up there, so make sure to sign up and be a part of it. Consider joining a life group as well. Talk to me about that. These life groups give you a chance to make a difference, to get involved in people's lives, to have connection, to have people to turn to, like Kathy talked about. We have a couple of slides of life groups across our three locations having Christmas dinners together last month. It was a lot of great food and a lot of great fun that happened Uh, with great friends. We're inviting you to see life a little bit differently now. None of us are Jesus, but we can do our part to learn about his life, and we can be willing to try some new things as we emulate who he is in the world today through us. And if you'll allow him to live in and through you, then we can share his love to the world who needs him. It means being a little bit more present in the world, in order to look for these opportunities where we can be better together. We have a quick video to show you about an example of someone who was attuned to the spirit and saw this as a great way to make a connection. So I was thinking about this as a pastor in New York. One day I got into a taxi and uh, we were driving past a restaurant that was one of my favorite restaurants and it was always popular. There was a line out the door. And I had struck up a conversation with the taxi driver and he was an immigrant like I was. And there was a lot of controversy at the time about immigrants and people moving to this nation. There was a lot of fear of the other. Who were these people coming in? Would they disrupt our way of life? A lot of political commentary like that. But I, as we began to talk, all of those stereotypes fell away and we just found ourselves being fathers, both from different places, trying to make our way into this country. And as we moved past this particular restaurant with a line out the door, I said to him, hey, have you ever eaten there? Have you tried that food? And he said to me, no, I, I always see the lines there. I've always wondered if it's good. So I said to him, hey, if you leave the meter running in the taxi and I run in and grab some of that food, do you want to just sit here and keep talking? And he said, would you really do that? And I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. So I ran in and I got in some of this food and it was actually this, almost like a transcendent moment. It was two men from other sides of the world sitting in a taxi, sharing food and all of the stereotypes about who he was and what he represented just melted away. And we had in the middle of New York, this little portal of belonging that broke in in the midst of all the stereotypes, all of the suspicion, just opening our hearts, sharing our stories. And it was, it was the, the highlight of my day. And as we got out of the taxi, I realized 
That's exactly what had happened. This environment of welcome shifted our understanding of each other and this community of belonging was formed, even for a moment in a taxi on the side of the street in the middle of New York. And I couldn't help but wonder what would happen in our lives if we just paid attention to those little promptings and these environments of welcome, these little portals of hospitality broke out. And if that became a normal practice for followers of Jesus in coffee shops, in workplaces, on sports fields, soccer moms, everybody, there would just be these, this deconstruction of fear and there would be an, an inbreaking of love and welcome. And that may be what we're called to do as followers of Jesus in our time. What I love about this story is that uh, the pastor was open to the Holy Spirit's guidance and to be aware and intentional about making connections and relationships. A simple thing like a cab ride could have easily been used to read an email or browse social media, check uh, in with the office what's happening at work or see the scores of a favorite team. We do this all the time. But instead, Tyson saw the opportunity as a way to ask a couple of questions of someone, to be intentional, and then to take the risk to say, hey, would you share a meal with me? And a simple space that was then created allowed for them to share their similarities as opposed to their differences. And so they got to share some stories and some food. This week, may we all be a little bit more bold in our openness to God's leading. May we all look for these little nudges that the Holy Spirit gives us to provide for us a chance to meet someone new and make a connection. And may we all have the chance to share some food with someone, starting today after this service, where eating together truly can make us uh, open to the kinds of connections and relationships that God wants us to have so that we can all be better together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Jesus, for your love for food. We thank you that the Bible tells us that and that you've shown us an example of how we can live like you. Give us these holy opportunities, these uh, nudges by the Spirit to allow us to see you and people with a whole new uh, set of eyes that will allow us to live and be in relationship with people, <coughs> to be bold in our storytelling and in our connections that we can make in order that your love can shine through all of us as we live better together. So we thank you for this time. Amen.